0: Welcome, once again, to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We gave you our instant reactions already on Oscar night. That episode covered the entire broadcast, recapped all the winners and losers, etc., etc., but as we've done each year... One episode is not nearly enough to analyze everything that went down regarding the Oscars fallout, so we thought it would be proper to give you at least one more, breaking down and analyzing how things went and why they went down that way. So this is what that episode will be. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. And Mike, we have a special guest to help us out doing that today. Brian Formo returns
1: to MMO. We had a blast talking to Brian a few weeks ago about the supporting actor category. And we're thrilled to get him back on to dissect these Oscars a little bit further today. Brian is a uh, part of a great team at Fandango.com, folks. He's worked on interviews with 1917 cinematographer Roger Deakins uh, with Ad Astra director James Gray. He's done a lot of great stuff
0: at Fandango.com. Yeah, really got his hands dirty as far as this year's Oscars categories went as well, having first-hand interactions and accounts with some of the biggest players in the field. He's done a lot of stuff at Fandango. He's had a hand in the Scene Breakdown series, where Fandango got Jennifer Lopez and Lorene Scafaria for Hustlers, Adam Sandler and the Safdie brothers for Uncut Gems, Robert Eggers and Robert Pattinson for The Lighthouse, etc., etc. Like we said, he has first-hand interactions with some of the biggest players from this year's Academy Awards. Weekend Ticket lets you know which movies are coming out each weekend in the theaters and at home on Fandango Now. All of this is on the Fandango All Access page, as well as exclusive interviews. And we're big, big fans of both his and Fandango, aren't we, Mike?
1: I have a Fandango VIP account. I get rewards just about every month. Uh, I mostly use those rewards for Fandango now to get my VOD rentals there. Uh, But in all honesty, I'm on this website like every day. They're my go-to for showtimes, pre-orders, tickets, VOD like I said, and they have all this great content on there as well. Brian works uh, on cutting everything down To the greatest hits For their social platforms As well, he's, he's all over the company There, true renaissance man And we're so happy to talk to him today And we're good fans of his for a reason
0: Yeah, if you didn't check him out the first time Do be sure to go back into our archives The Supporting Actor category review He was of great help to us there He provided a lot of cool insight Because of his position at Fandango And he's nice enough to do so again today In our Oscars recap episode So here it is for your enjoyment Brian Formo joins us to what we think may be the final look back at Oscars 2020 we never really know but enjoy it and we'll see you guys on the other side All right, on the line right now Brian Formo Brian welcome back long time no talk
2: yeah it's I mean I don't even know how long it's been not long
0: at all well none of us none of us have slept so really time is just a flat circle at this point
2: yeah uh, but it, it it was recent and it was fun, <laughs> and here I my here I am still, uh, and, uh, happy to uh, put put Oscars to bed. It was a good Oscars though. So how'd you spend it? I spent it at home. Not that not that exciting. I I, I watched it and I uh, worked. I was working on a lot of uh, making a bunch of uh, Oscar fact graphics for Fandango. So I was like pumping those out. And by the by, the time that I finished that, it was it was time for the show, and so I just watched it. the The day before, I was at the Indi- I was at the Independent Spirit Awards, the Indie Spirit Awards. So that was my uh, nice. That nice. was that was my uh, industry party.
0: <laughs> well, that's got to be a cool one to go to, though. Was that your first time there? Or are you usually? Oh, uh, that's my
2: second time. But yeah, it's it's fun because they. Uh, they reward it used to be there was a there was a period of like five six years where they were very closely aligned with oscars because it was basically the same movies right but in the last two years it's kind of shifted back because the oscars have been rewarding uh much higher budgeted films and so it's kind of gone back to its roots of uh rewarding different films than the oscars so like uh last year uh feel street talk won a lot of awards um best picture best director this year uncut mm-hmm. gems clean the house except for uh it did lose best picture to to uh is a shock i think it it was a surprise yeah. um especially being in that room you could just oh i well i'll save this for something that we we're going to talk about a little bit later about being being in the room because mm. um, uh it correlates a little bit to bong <laughs>
1: Well, how about that? The Spike Lee's delivery, Bong Joon-ho for Best Director, Jane Fonda had that dramatic pause. What was your reaction in your, in in your house to the big moments for Parasite?
2: Uh, well. <laughs> so, I didn't I did not do it properly. Okay, so I am a I am a sports fan. Sports is chaos, it's messy i have uh, i'm a i'm a seahawks fan and that's my biggest one which uh you know had a had a terrible ending at a super bowl and they've missed some kicks late and stuff like that so anyway when i watch things at home i watch them through hulu live tv and there's always like a minute delay and if things are tight or tense I just look at Twitter because I just want to be prepared for what's going to happen. (laughs) And so I say all of this because – so, like, I mean, there was, like, when the – I will finish this sports topic, but it does relate. But, like, there was a game when the Seahawks were playing the 49ers uh, uh, last year where – the 49ers are lining up to kick a field goal to win. I was like, I can't watch. And I like texted a friend was like, did they make it? And he's like, they missed it. And I was like, Oh now I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) watch.
1: I was wondering if you were just watching like DK Metcalf videos or something. (laughs) (laughs) So,
2: so, uh, so Kyle Buchanan, who was in the room at the Oscars, he was at the ceremony. He writes for uh, New York times. Like he was like tweeting out the Oscar winner. So like, I actually like saw, who won before each of those momentous things so it definitely it wasn't as like I was surprised when I saw it but I was seeing it differently than you're supposed to see it which is like coming out of Jane Fonda's mouth but instead because like my wife uh who wanted parasite to win and she was convinced that it wouldn't she like went to go take a go take a shower right before best picture and I like oh no uh, and so, like, when she, so then I saw Kyle's tweet and I was like, no, Parasite won. And then it came out. And, like, so that's how I experienced it. <laughs> it was, but I've gone back, I have gone back to watch how Jane Fonda read it. And she, it was a very good line delivery. Uh, and uh, the, the pause, the pause, there was like a two second pause. It was very nice. And you could, you could tell. Cause I was trying to remember like times in the past where you've, like, seen, I don't even remember which film. I think it was actually Shakespeare in Love, Harrison Ford. You know, everyone thought Saving Private Ryan was mm-hmm. going to win. And, like, when he opens it up and he doesn't even, like, lift his head, he's just like, Shakespeare in Love. It's just kind of <laughs> done, like, uh, what happened? I'm not really expecting this. I was expecting to give my buddy Steven Spielberg, like, <laughs> the Oscar. And it's just kind of like, it was. There's just kind of like a little bit of a thud, but Jane Fonda, like she saw it. She knew that she was holding history in her hands and she paused and she made direct eye contact with all of the nation to say parasite. And Spike Lee, I mean, he did it in the most Spike Lee way. (laughs) I mean, he wouldn't have... if it were Todd Phillips, I do not think Spike, Spike Lee would have gone like Todd Phillips. <laughs> no, he
0: probably would have turned around with the envelope and left the stage. I think <laughs> yeah. maybe. And guys, what if been... Quentin Tarantino was on that?
1: Uh, yeah, that piece of paper there. <laughs> would he just uh, thrown it down and walked off the stage?
2: <laughs> I do not know. what That is. Uh, I'd actually i'd, I'd forgotten. Uh, I'd forgotten about um, the yeah. Old those, beef. At that old beef. Yeah, See, we got
0: cheated out of a true Oscars moment that could have been. That's another reason Tarantino should have gotten that category. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you were the stat head for Fandango. Well, there was.
2: Night. Oh, sorry. I would say uh, that there, there, th- that can tweeted out something earlier today that it is a nice little thing about Spike and Bong because, like, so, Parasite was the first film since 1955 that won at Ca- at con. Yeah. Yes. And- He received uh, the best director Oscar from Spike Lee, who's going to be the jury of this year's con. So he's like the head of the jury of this year's con. So it was a nice little like transition of uh, last con to this con.
0: That's nice. Coming full circle there.
2: Yeah.
1: So uh, you're already thrown out stats. I got two more. And one, it was funny because one, you're like, no, that's not a stat. So here it is. (laughs) <laughs> bon Junho won four Oscars in one night for perhaps the first time since Walt Disney in 1953. But you have a clarification on this.
2: Well, it's not a perhaps. as As fun as it is as it is to see him with all those Oscars, and that there's a video of him with four Oscars in front of him as he's like making eyes at Renee Zellweger and and her one. Uh, <laughs> but. As much as as many of these photos that we'll see of him having four, he's only going to be credited of of having three Um, because the international what is now known as the International uh, Film Award feature film award. It used to be foreign language film, best foreign language film award Uh, that has always been credited to the country that submitted it. And I think I think it's ludicrous. Mm. It's. It's actually been something that I have had a problem with for a very, very long time. Uh, And so maybe like this type of... Because, yeah, it'd be nice if like, you know, we all want to feel like we're living in a historic moment. Disney, when he won four, I don't even know if that was televised, to be honest, because that was so long ago. Uh, But we all want to live in a historic moment and be nice if like, you know, the very first time that an international film won Best Picture... It was like the most uh, tied for the most awards ever given to one person, but that's not actually true. Because if you look at Bong Joon-ho's uh, like IMDB page, it'll say like he won three Oscars. And you'll be like, wait, where's the fourth one? It's because that one it goes to South Korea. They even put his name on it. It's ridiculous. You get to keep it, (laughs) but it just doesn't get credited to you. It gets credited to the country that submitted it for you.
0: That is ridiculous, and it would open up – if they opened up that category and attributed it to filmmakers rather than countries, then you're talking about maybe Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Les Mis can come in as submissions from France, and then it kind of – I know it would screw up the shortlist and all that, but you'd have to take the country qualification – out of
2: it or yeah. a one per country and it, it is it is the only best feature or even like best short where it's like best uh, overall film it's the only category that they don't give to the director and the producer they just give to the country and it's also like why if, if, the main reason why i know knew of this prior is just because uh I, if you're like me, I spend way too much time on IMDb for like 20 years. I feel like when I, if if I, if my life gets played back to me when I'm dying. It'll be like, or how many hours I was on IMDb? It would be like, wow, I could have gotten so much other
0: stuff. <laughs> no, you can't look at it like that, Brian, because that makes me
2: sad. <laughs> so, uh, as someone like, you know, you go to Ingmar Bergman's. IMDB page and it says he's nominated for nine Oscars, but like three of those movies won for uh, for a best foreign language film, but he doesn't get credited them. So it's, it makes it look like he never won an Oscar, which is crazy. Uh, same with Federico Fellini, like he, he he has the most at four, but he doesn't get credited in any of them.
1: So what if they went like uh, the Seahawks do it and Pete Carroll gets a ring? Like should Bong Joon Ho and Ingmar Bergman have rings for the Oscars or? <laughs>
2: that's my stupid comment no, i don't hate well, that actually he, he gets to he gets to keep the statue it just oh, doesn't okay. get like it's it's this <laughs> very strange thing i don't know if in the past if there was like a a film bureau of france that was like here are all the oscars that we have won right. but it's it's <laughs> uh at least in my lifetime the filmmakers always walked away with it they just aren't given credit for it like you can't play beforehand. Well, he can for Bong Joon-ho because he's won other Oscars, but like, didn't say like Academy Award winning director Ingmar Bergman, because technically he never won one for directing a movie.
0: Well, now I'm thinking like a lawyer, like, Who does that Oscar actually property of now? Like, can South Korea just claim eminent domain and take it back and put it in their state building if they want? I wonder if that's possible. I mean, not not that that would ever come up and nobody would think of that except me, because that's a stupid thought. And really, the only thing that matters about Bong Joon-ho is that he has at least two, because I think all of us would have been robbed of that moment of him making out, having the Oscars make out in that famous picture from (laughs) Sunday night, which is the real gift that he gave all of us.
2: Yeah. Oh, All of his reactions, like the first one and when he first the first one that he received uh, that he just like (laughs) took a step back and smiled and looked at it. The second one, yes, that made him kiss. The third one, he said, I thought I was going to be done and now I'm just going to (laughs) drink. And then he ended ended up getting a fourth one. Yeah, He did
1: a great (laughs) job rolling with the extra speeches. And I thought, I thought he yeah, really agreed. charmed the pants off of everybody. Uh, so the other stat I had was uh, from Matt Negley of Next Best Picture. It was that Bong Joon-ho is the first Best Director Oscar winner to lose Globe, BAFTA, and DGA since 2000. So since 2000, 2001, when Steven Soderbergh of Traffic beat out frontrunner Ang Lee of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Guys, I don't know about you, but I was – the big shock of the night to me wasn't Best Picture. I kind of expected it at that point. Mike and I were talking about it. The big shock to me was director.
2: No, I I, I remember when – yeah, when, when Soderbergh won that, that was a surprise. They've also uh, – I it's funny. Like I've always remembered his speech or at least a part of it uh, because – it it was a quite a good speech it was very brief uh it was about like thank anyone who ever did a dance or wrote a song or basically just encompassed all of art i was like 18 i was like wow that's a great speech and when uh the oscars were trying to get people to uh shorten their speeches. They showed Soderbergh's speeches, like, do it like this. And Soderbergh came out and said, like, I, I didn't think I was going to win. And I was actually drunk and I didn't know what to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so just get hammered before your name gets announced. <laughs> Bon ho had it backwards. <laughs> <Sorry>. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, like Mike just said, director had to be the shock of the night, especially because of that DGA crossover stat. But I guess let's start diving into why and how Parasite did what it did on the night. Brian, you covered film festivals such as TIFF. You've done it for Fandango. Obviously, Parasite did play there. Uh, it played pretty much everywhere as far as festival season goes. Can you take us back to the early buzz from the festivals you were at? was this always something that was like buzzworthy and had momentum from the get-go?
2: It had momentum, but not in, I don't, I don't think fully like in a best picture type of way. It had a lot of support, a lot of like, you have to see this and don't tell anyone what happens because it's, you have to know like nothing going in. Cause they're it's full of surprises. It had a very kind of like Hitchcockian type of a, uh, uh sell to it, pitch to it. And it's always been very well respected and loved. I don't think that people... Well, I will I will speak for myself. I didn't think that it actually had a chance to win Best Picture until a week prior. Hmm. What changed? The WGA going to uh, Bong Joon-ho, so going right. to Parasite. It, um, and it was also... The sag, the SAG win was just kind of, like, sitting there, and the more that, like, you observe people in in the room around Bong Joon-ho, around the cast, like, all these various award shows, there just seemed to be, like, so much love around this film, and it is a very different... So, like, Roma last year was highly respected, but it, it didn't really have... Because because Parasite plays in this genre space, it has like you know the doorbell jingle song, and it has uh, thriller elements. It has stuff that excites people, and like so when you see them in person, it's like I don't know. There was just something a little extra about like every room that they were in. You could tell that everyone was in love with this movie, and the fact that they gave it an ensemble cast at the SAGs without even nominating it for anything, which is the equivalent of like the actor's best picture. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting little like tip. And then I think I think just like leading into it, it just felt like maybe maybe there wasn't that much love. There was love for movies that were made in Hollywood that year, but at this moment Hollywood was like so in love with like Bong joon ho and this cast. So
1: from the festivals we They kind of figured out, Neon did, that uh, they had this beloved property that was getting critical praise, but audiences were also being taken to it. I'm wondering what you guys think about their overall release and marketing strategy. Play every festival, platform release late fall, or kind of middle of the fall for this one, you know, and then, you know, try and build up to it, uh, build up to a, a frenzy is the hope, I guess, for every indie film. The box office is strong, but I mean, 45 million domestically, where it it's it's now, I think is is it'll be, it'll head over there this weekend. That's not great. 165 worldwide, 170, whatever it's at now. Again, not great. It's very good for an for 11 million dollar budget. You know, it's really good, uh, but it's not like Pulp Fiction type numbers or whatnot. So I'm wondering, in, in hindsight, obviously it's 2020, but do, what did you think of the the overall strategy? Can other films duplicate it?
2: Well, I think that the Uh, the best thing that Neon did for their chances and to kind of seize in the area that they had a lot of people paying attention was keeping all of their cast here, even though they weren't nominated, to show up at all these events and to show up at all these awards shows. And I think it was like a constant reminder like the, the movies seemed to feel bigger than Bong himself in that regard. Uh, and I think people were able to associate a lot of positivity and like transfer that over to like seeing the actors. And and then like those at home, like I mean Bong Jun Ho is a is a fun guy. When he's at a an award show and he's like, you know, taking pictures like a dad on his cell phone and stuff <laughs> like that, like people like turning that in uh, into their own uh, fandom that they burst out there and put out there. And I, it, the legs that were given to, to Parasite were by the very vocal fans. And I think the best thing that Neon did was just kind of prolong the moment and allow fans to kind of see how how this award season worked. I mean, the translator became like a film Twitter star, yes. Darren Choi. So like I, I that – Everything about just like just like having all these people on stage accepting things with bong was uh was uh, a beautiful reminder to a, a lot of folks and as far as box office um, you know we at at fandango we are seeing we've already had a lot of success because it has moved over to uh you know being able to rent on online and we have fandango now, which is actually. It was the fourth largest pre ordered film ever in our history for like owning wow. it at the time. And it was ahead of like A Star is Born. So, like, there, people have been like hungry for this, but maybe not like going to theaters and maybe now more who are interested will actually go into theaters this 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 weekend uh to see what all the fuss is about
0: yeah in a year where we had so many great campaigns run by so many different films i mean elton john and taryn egerton were pretty much giving a private concert every week it seemed j-lo was absolutely everywhere she went back to wearing her oscars dress from 20 years ago walking red carpets doing the super bowl halftime show parasite to me kind of had like the most organic campaign in that it, mm-hmm. it, you know Neon did their work and did their marketing obviously and they did their what they could to hype up the film but the hype was pretty much driven by word of mouth it seemed more than anything just everyone at these film festivals and everyone at these places that did get advanced screenings of it saying oh my god you have to see this film I, mean, I know when we talked to Matt Neglia from Next Best Picture when he was done with Telluride last summer he said to us that Parasite's like a perfect movie you guys have to check it out and that was like his review of it.
2: And I think I do think that the fact that it is something that it feels like a secret of saying, like, you know, don't tell someone too much or like that yeah. the fact that there are thrills is why it has such long legs. Because if you look like some, uh, something like Roma, like which is a very good technical achievement film, it's very beautiful, it's very poetic, uh, but it doesn't like the passion doesn't like push it forward of like oh man like the word of mouth for Parasite it has to be like a thrilling entertaining movie to have like the word of mouth that pushes it that far that long where it's just like everyone's like you have to see this you have to see this like don't know anything beforehand it's just it was kind of a a throwback to like a Hitchcock type of way of like marketing as basically it basically became like a roadshow uh, yeah. which is how used to roll out a lot of those uh, films in the past where it's like this movie that you heard about from the town before is like, it's coming to your town yeah. now. And so I kind of had that, but it also had this uh, for the people that were hyping it. And there was a lot of hype. They were very good about like keeping the secret to themselves as far as like what actually happened, which is kind of remarkable in the, the internet age. I think that the, the there shows a genuine respect of the people really liked it, wanted people to go in the same way that they went in and, uh, which was like not knowing anything and coming away surprised. Uh, and yeah, I think that, I think that the fact that it was a, a thrilling secretive type of, movie made it feel like everyone every single person was discovering something entirely new which is uh, very rare to happen this day and age of cinema Yeah,
0: and keeping the spoilers is probably is credited to neon because it's much easier to spoil a film when it is going wide and people can just record it on their cell phone i mean trying to explain what happens at the end of parasite just in a tweet would be <laughs> next to impossible to kind of spoil anyway but I, I i did want to comment on you've dropped hitchcock's name a couple times already and you keep talking about the suspense and the thriller aspect any other movie it's not just any movie that could have this type of hype right isn't this kind of playing into why thrillers and maybe pseudo horror movies should be accepted more by the academy for this very reason because i don't think you know like the english patient is worthy of getting this kind of hype if it was shown limited to begin with
2: one thing that this win showed was that the academy has been trying – we were aware that they've been trying to, like, change their makeup mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and be more open to different types of movies, different types of filmmakers, uh, different criterias to get into the Academy, etc. cetera. Uh, most of this started after 2015. And we've seen – I know that, like, Green Book is in between these two, but, like, uh, Shape of Water has genre – and Parasite has genre, uh, uh, elements and the the shape of water obviously has like monster elements It has, uh, it's using something it's using the cold war to explore like old monster movies, yeah. which yeah. is thinking that the Academy, the Academy would have been like, eh, give me more of that cold war stuff back around when the English patient was, <laughs> uh, was, was sweeping the Oscars. Uh, and Parasite, yeah, it's, it's like it's uh, a, a kind of like a home invasion movie, and all, but also like this like comedy of not not errors because they do everything perfect, but a comedy of perfection and a comedy of like fraudulence, I guess. Uh, and it 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 the thrills that Parasite gets are most often kind of fun. And so, <laughs> I think that that is. There will, I think we will see a little bit more embrace of a genre, but it takes it takes a while. Like should Lupita have been there? Mm-hmm. Yes, probably. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I mean for the for the fight that they had there, yes, I would put Lupita in right. instead of uh, instead of others. But it it is a it is a slow process. But I think the reason why where you can see a little more change happening with the Academy within best picture of like the shape of water or parasite is because of the preferential ballot where eventually the things that like, maybe it's like your number two movie or your number three, but you have like, you're really fond. Like it's, it feels like really fun. Mm-hmm. Like that the fun kind of is like popping up more to the surface because of the preferential ballot I believe
1: so I did kind of want to get to the preferential ballot and, and talk about uh, you know how that shook down in a minute but uh, I wanted to ask you guys you know talking about marketing and whatnot I wanted to kind of retrace the season for the rest of the best picture field for a hot minute here you know I think looking at the numbers most of these movies if not all of these movies probably made a big buck or two i mean obviously joker was that oh please no pick for mike and i this year but it made a you know buku bucks i think once upon a time in hollywood made money jojo rabbit probably even made money even though that was one of the weaker you know box offices at the time but it came back out and it's probably doing okay ford v ferrari kind of had a big weekend or two you know the irishman seemed to do good numbers marriage story etc you know, so we have uh, we have 1917 basically capitalizing on that January opening, right? It's it's a late December release. They only have a few press screenings. They seem to play it perfectly because the momentum breaks away from Parasite at the Globes, Choice, uh, PGA, and DGA. You get a resurgence for Hollywood. You get. Uh, 1917 taking the lion's share of other awards so why do you think Parasite kind of fades away and these other two movies kind of take the stage again uh what what do you think
2: I mean I do think that just like Parasite at the end of the day you know like people I don't know we're in campaign season now and some folks you talk about like who you want to vote for but no one knows who you vote for until you go in and uh, go in and mark it down and I think that uh, uh, the amount of love that people had for Parasite it just kind of grew throughout this in a way that like earlier it would have been like yes this is a very good movie we will reward it in that category but I think just like being <laughs> surrounded uh, by this cast and, and and bong and kind of uh, Talking amongst other people in the academy, when you talk to people in the academy who are and people who are voting, if you ask them like, "What's a movie that you love?" The first thing that pretty much every person said was *Parasite*, and I think eventually they just were able to talk themselves into doing it.
1: So it took a while. It took uh, it, it took a lot of convincing because you I mean, these precursors kind of, you know, give the academy permission to vote for something, right? And it was just strange to me, like. And that's where I am now. I'm like wondering how much of an underdog Parasite always was because it won all of the critics associations for the most part. It was the point leader there.
0: Did the film grow on you, Brian, or did you have the same appreciation for it after the first watch as you did at any other point?
2: Uh, I liked it more the second time, actually. the first I time
0: that's a factor.
2: Yeah, the first time that I saw it, I liked it, but I loved the first half. And the second half is kind of like it was such a stark uh, corkscrew right. shift uh, that I'll, it 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 threw me for a little bit, and I still uh, I still appreciated it, but I didn't like it as much as I liked the first half. And the second time I saw it, I was like, oh, it, I it it, and I knew where it was going. And this is kind of a common theme for me: the the second time that I see things. It's kind of that'll reveal how I really feel about it. If you know where something is going and you could still enjoy it or appreciate where things are coming from, that's it's a it's a it, it, that's like filmmaking craft because like if you're writing a script and you're directing, you're doing it backwards and forwards. It shouldn't it's just not like you're just like some linear thing spitting out there. So it's very thought out or it should be. And so like this was very obviously like very nicely constructed in the. I guess knowing where it was going actually enhanced watching it. I, I enjoyed not knowing what was going to happen the first time. There is something that's kind of fun the second time you see it, and you're kind of hearing people gasp at this or that, and you're like, "Oh, wait until you see this or something." In that regard, uh, I do think it's 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 a very rewatchable movie, and that probably helped uh, a lot as as well. In this regard, I know that like a lot of the Academy, they don't <laughs> look, they don't necessarily watch all the movies that are nominated i know that uh carrie mulligan has brought this up there should be like a test to like well, not, show not how-
0: to interrupt you but this this was kind of what i was going to ask you next anyway is that it doesn't it seem like this was one that everybody actually saw or at least acted like they saw certainly with how much this movie was praised every award show like you just talked about Brian
2: yeah i think so i think that there's going back again just to like the word of mouth of critics and the public who had gone and amongst the academy was so strong that like you have enough people saying like you got to see parasite like you're you're going to like uh like winning critics awards doesn't mean as much as it does like human beings saying like you have to see this and i'm not going to tell you what it's about there's that there's that extra like little secretive question mark of like oh this must really be like surprising if they won't even like say Cause, you know with 1917 you'll be like it's it's it, they made it look like a continuous shot and it's world war one and it's uh really immersive and roger deacon's like you, you want to give information every movie like oh tarantino with like with a brad pitt and dicaprio it's just like and they're doing like a you know 60s hollywood and uh, manson is around like there's everyone wants to give a synopsis to everything but there's something appealing about completely withdrawing and not not t- saying anything other than just like you have to see this just go in cold and i think that's how a lot of people sold it to other people and that's appealing
0: So Parasite, we talked about, kind of ran a flawless campaign, whether or not Neon had anything to do with it, just because of the quality of movie and because of the word of mouth like we keep talking about. But was there any other best picture contender that you think kind of may have missed an opportunity to gain some votes somewhere? Like, do you think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, for instance, could have done better had it been submitted as a drama at the Globes? Whether or not the HFPA would have accepted it, who knows? But do you think anything like that could have helped anything else along the way?
2: Well, HFPA, if you say we're drama, they'll say, yes, you're a drama. (laughs) (laughs) Not if you're uncut gems. (laughs) Oh, that's right. (laughs) That is true. Uh, But uh, I think once upon a time in Hollywood might have been, that was probably the one that we all overestimated. And I think that that was by looking at more how, you know, Tarantino has never won uh, and – and that it's a movie about Hollywood, and Hollywood loves to like see itself reflected. But they've actually, at this point, there's been a few in a row, like La La Land and now Once Upon a Time. It does seem like yeah. maybe they're less willing to just be like, yes, Los Angeles, great, Hollywood, the business, or something like that, than they were in many years past. Now, I feel like now, if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was in the drama category, it probably would not have won, and then we would have known that it wasn 't actually a front runner because I I agree it, with you. because it won comedy, I think we all kind of put it or many of us put it in like, oh, this is the front runner because of the narrative because of like tarantino hasn 't won best director or best picture, uh, and this is a studio movie that made money and it's like about Hollywood, and it just kind of felt like by how how Hollywood kind of did Oscars in the past, it felt like it was kind of perfect but you know that's and parasite was something that had never happened before and so that was why it for many people it was like hard to predict because it just didn't have the precursors but like if you've ever I mean, anyone who was in a room or award shows with people, it's like this is the movie that everyone was talking about. It seemed if you were in the rooms, it kind of felt like it was plain as day. But like, not obviously, not everyone can can be there, and it's rather exclusive or something like that. But it it was it was it was talked about by everybody. And the
1: biggest room, I guess, where Parasite got the biggest ovation in the precursors was at SAG when it wins the Ensemble Award you know akin to what black panther did a year ago so i was wondering if it was something similar where that was going to be parasite's moment plus international film but i guess the question i want to build to and and you've kind of answered this online is that the the academy or sag they don't really go for they don't really go for unknown actors who haven't really made a splash in america very often it happens once in a while like marina de Tavera. Kang Ho Song was probably the closest uh, from this cast. I'm wondering because we did supporting actor with you. I'm wondering if Kang Ho Song is in that supporting actor category. With all of this, with this train moving for Parasite, does he actually rival Brad Pitt in this particular year? Is he number two, for instance?
2: I I actually feel like uh, <laughs> I have nothing to back this up on, but I feel like. <laughs> not having actors nominated made this more of the, like the same way that like SAG, like there's one place to reward it. It felt like this was like the best place to reward. And I know that like like, 1917 didn't have that before, but 1917 didn't have like history on it. So I, 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 I feel like it really was like perceived as an ensemble movie movie, like the, uh, by everyone, There's just kind of like everyone who is in this is great. No one like rises above. It's just like this fine-tuned movie that's. You uh, know, it's been weird that like you know a lot of times they've been giving uh, these awards to like big technical achievements, um, and maybe that was the technical achievement of just like the seamless uh, direction of 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 the cast and where everyone is like equal, uh, and maybe maybe that was appealing to hollywood where they oftentimes like uh reward the showboaters and things like that it was just kind of like across the board just done top to bottom really well uh i i don't i don't think that song would have would have potentially had any way to stop brad pitt from winning i
0: what if he showed his six pack
2: like definitely one of the most shocking Shock, I don't even know what that'd be comparable to.) <laughs> uh. <laughs> It just felt like if there was one bet to make of like this is there's only one sure thing at the Oscars. I think that was Brad Pitt winning.
0: Well, we thought yeah. it might be Mendez too in Best Director until all that. I mean, Mendes went in I think as a minus five thousand favorite, which means for betting odds you had to bet five thousand just to win a hundred dollars back if you wanted to bet on Mendes. Oh uh, you bringing up how there was you, know, you think Parasite ran on. No acting nominations. You think that might have helped its cause? It's a little unique. I didn't even really think of this until now that both this and 1917 kind of had the same path to Best Picture, I guess you could say. In that they were, I mean, obviously 1917 was more technically reliant, but Parasite did get a couple technical noms anyway. But you kind of have to say 1917 was, you know, I, we don't not trying to call it the biggest loser, but most upset on the night, right? Overall.
2: Yeah, it it definitely was and they do have it, it was a very unique year to have essentially the two front runner, runners and to be clear like Parasite did become number 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh 1917 I think was uh, still, you know, it was in the number one pole position but Parasite was two because of the way that it was kind of wrapped things up toward the end with winning the SAG ensemble, winning the WGA. Um and just being able to be in the best feature uh, category again because there had actually been like a stretch where that wasn't a possibility because it wasn't produced in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 1917, having the same situation of having no actors and kind of no... There were stars, but they were very small roles. You kind of even forget unless you watch a trailer, like, oh yeah, Colin Firth was in that or yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch was in that. And so, yeah, I usually, typically, Best Picture, you have to have an acting, a lead acting nomination somewhere. But I think this year became very unique in that you had to, like, actually choose the movie that you liked the most because there, there weren't other ways to reward it in the acting categories or to be like, uh, you know, I... I really liked this because of this one performance it just became solely about those two movies and maybe which which one people liked more and and Parasite uh was not a surprise that it was liked more just because it was it seemed to be on people's lips more
1: so I was hoping to nerd out with you guys for a minute and this is definitely an Oscar pundit nerd out here uh speaking of being liked more i mean preferential balloting essentially you know chooses the most well liked movie rather than the most you know beloved movie in 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 a certain ways in most years but i'm wondering when you guys think it hit that 50% magic number does it happen right after number 9 goes off the board whether that's ford v ferrari does little women's votes go to parasite like i could see ballots with little women and then parasite number 2 i could see ballots maybe with jojo rabbit number 1 and then uh parasite number 2 i wonder if it had a lot of just spread out number 2 votes when do you guys think parasite hit that magic number
2: i i i would not be surprised if it was in like the three to five range.
1: Wow, it went all the way down to there, you think? you think it was close. Yeah. So that would mean like Ford v. Ferrari ballots had 1917 number two, and, and maybe the Irishman was lower than we expected. That had 1917. I'm starting to
0: think the Irishman was below Jojo Rabbit. Right. I mean, and I know I thought the Irishman would be linked to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but because of the success Jojo Rabbit has, I'm starting to think that also had some good word-of-mouth momentum it's been the days leading up to so i'm wondering if if the irishman was even lower than any of us originally thought period and maybe the irishman was tied into parasite somehow and maybe that could have done it because i i i tend to agree with brian that i thought it would have taken at least a couple films i don't think it was just one or two i thought it would have taken a few to, to get to anything over the magic number especially when it's something that comes from behind like this one did because we thought 1917 was in the pole position I'm wondering if it got to Joker, if Joker was fifth on a lot of people's ballots, if those votes needed to be redistributed just because of the dark tones of the movie, even though they're very, very different and could be seen in very different lights as well. But uh, I I think you seem to be surprised that we're saying it was three to five films or so, Mike. You thought it was less? I I would hope
1: that it it was less. I would hope that more people voted, like, Parasite over 1917, and it was just kind of a done deal. Like, the SAG vote was just that much of a vote in confidence, because... You know, I mean, like, the late money broke Parasite's way.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, David Long on Twitter, he's always, you know, monitoring the betting lines. And he was, he was telling us stern Oscar Sunday, he's like, we should go with the late money. I, 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 you know, I've seen this movie before, you know, in terms of watching the betting lines. And
0: late money usually tells. If you follow that money...
1: It yeah tells. but even
0: that was not a big jump i i don't I don't know if you were following it all, Brian, but parasite went into the weekend at like a four to one underdog yeah uh in terms of 'cause nineteen seventeen like you said was the leader, the betting favorite, mm-hmm. and then by showtime parasite had jumped to like two and a half to one, which is a jump, but it's still not i mean it didn't even get half its odds back come showtime, so I was still a little i, I that line jumped to me as a whole degenerate human being. <laughs> It doesn't suggest that it was someone who knew something. It suggests that people were trying to make money off Parasite, and obviously they, they clearly
2: did. I think that that would be, I mean, it seemed like such a bizarre toss-up type of year. It, you know, like there was a period that seemed like forever where we we're uh, the Irishman was getting all all of the buzz and was like, will this be Netflix chance? And then it left the Globes empty-handed. And then it was all of a sudden like, oh, we have like, we, we basically don't know what is going to happen. Right. And so then just like falling back on old logic. And 1917 was w- winning quite a lot. And it looked like it was the old logic picture. So it seemed like, oh, this is like, you know, this is pr- pretty cut and dry. But still, because it like emerged without like having – Uh, You know at the film festival or having to run the gauntlet uh, through through a very large window like this all of a sudden became the gauntlet and I think that it 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 was just a unique here and it seemed like uh, We didn't it was the first time in a while that it felt like we didn't other than the acting acting categories We didn't know too many things were sealed.
0: A next big question, Brian, that this was something that kind of was the big deal on film Twitter on Monday, and you know how they never overreact to anything. Yeah, they're overreacting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Academy Awards, the show overall, was a dip in ratings, and it was, you know, in certain demographics, they found out the 18 to 49, the most important one, actually did lower than the Grammys even. Mm -hmm. Do, Do you think... There are cynics out there that were quick to to rush and say, well, it's Parasite's fault, obviously. I mean, this is a South Korean movie. This is an American movie. The the Avengers weren't in there. All these big blockbusters were kind of disrespected. Joker wasn't given anything, et cetera, et cetera, outside of Best Actor, obviously. Do do you think there's any merit to that criticism, or is that just cynicism, and you kind of take this all as the one big, the Oscars just needs to do something different, period?
2: Uh, Well, I think that that is... Cynicism, cynicism because um, th- th- this was the most popular batch of movies that had been nominated in quite a long time. If you just like look in terms of box office and the way that it uh, had tapped into culture and that includes Parasite, even though maybe the box office isn't as big as the others, like the way that it has per- uh, penetrated social media culture is, has, is, is massive. Uh, and that, that counts for something as well. I think that really the metrics of how we measure people watching it needs needs to change. I do think that having a host is actually something that is beneficial because there's a bit of an anchor. And I mm-hmm. think that just like saying like, oh, I'm going to watch like Chris Rock host the Oscars. the To get people to tune into a hostless Oscars, you're... Asking them like only to know like these are the movies that are nominated yes but that there isn't like it doesn't have that added entertainment value push mm-hmm. uh, that even like having for like Saturday Night Live or things like that like will you get bumps when you get certain hosts I think that going hostless has actually been problematic for ratings and I and I think that the way that we also tabulate ratings is very outdated mm-hmm. so it's like combination of these two things and I don't think that like looking at ratings is the best way to judge whether or not it was a success but I do think that the show could improve by going back to a host and kind of giving that extra important reason to tune in whereas in the last two years it's been solely about tune in to see if Joker might win tune in to see if Netflix might win Mm -hmm. Uh, which isn't which doesn't cover your base as much as like selling uh selling like this this big important uh event because like the super bowl even has like you know they have that for the halftime show as well it's like it's not even just the teens but like watch this thing that we have curated in the middle and they actually had a few things that they could have touted but the the m&m thing was uh bizarre like everyone's just like instead of instead of being like oh eminem is playing everyone's like why is this happening but if you if you prepare people beforehand to like see these things then the tune-in could be a little bit better
0: do you think the schedule screwed with the ratings as well i know you think ratings are a little antiquated i happen to agree with you but clearly less people watch this year than last year just full stop do you think the schedule had something to do with it? Do you think this year's show was better than last year's or do what do you, can you give any kind of explanation outside of, well, the Academy just kind of may have dropped the ball and it's kind of a host issue.
2: Well, I think, I think the, the host issue is like, that's, that's a part of it. Also like the Super Bowl was just the week prior and it's, it's too, it's two giant events Sunday to Sunday of like, I don't know. Potentially hosting people over, or like I don't. It, it, there, there wasn't enough like break between large televised events happening. Mm-hmm. I don't think in the way that like people do have like Oscar parties and Super Bowl parties and things like that is just like I don't know. I'm not. I'm not having people over two weekends in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. <laughs> so I think. I think that didn't help. I think not having a host uh, to like just kind of like anchor the whole uh, marketing around because when you're just marketing of like it's the Oscars movies, you know, it's it's less to get people to like, okay be aware of like what is going to entertain them.
1: So you had a cynical premise for the previous question, and you actually answered it in a really optimistic way. I'm wondering right now if you'll have a pessimistic answer for a romantic (laughs) premise, because... I think, you know, film Twitter's exploded. All of the articles I read about Parasite right now winning this, they're making huge declarations that this is going to grow worldwide film markets, that uh, non-English language films are going to be more accepted here, that the business is going to eventually boom more worldwide than it would have if just, say, another, you know, 40-year-old white guy movie won. So I'm wondering... I mean the immediate impact is clear like parasites doing really well south korean films are going to, you know we're we're on notice for more of those do you think this ultimately grows a worldwide cinematic audience do you think this energizes people around the world
2: it 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 could <laughs> <laughs> uh, i do have a little bit of data in my back pocket of from are uh, from fandango and fandango now that of from this week 62% of people who use our services are are more interested in seeking out films of bong jun ho in the past wow. now what start. is that what does that correlate into we're we're not sure but i mean we are seeing that it, it is a moment around bong joon ho in south korea for sure mm-hmm. uh, now the way that that translates in the future is it's, it's the same thing as like all of our personal stories with international film. Like the first one that I, I believe that the first one that I ever saw was a Ingmar Bergman movie. And it was, at, it was, I'd never seen a movie that was like that. Uh, it was wild strawberries was that one, but I'd never seen anything that was like that. And it opens up with like a 15 minute dream sequence and there's no dialogue. And you don't you wouldn't, you wouldn't even have to, Hey, if you don't like subtitles, watch wild strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while for anyone to even talk <laughs> you know you don't have to read that much uh but like I, I I specifically remember seeing that for the first time and just when to like oh I can like this is a whole new world of cinema I can like go into the foreign section and I can just like watch a ton of stuff and if Parasite is a gateway then it, and it very well could be then that that's great would, would it be like industry as at large I think that that this is where i'd be a little pessimistic about but i do think that it is very good for emerging cinephiles young cinephiles uh as their kind of like gateway ticket into a whole other a whole larger world and i do think that there will be more maybe more willing to explore of this generation than of my generation in the past I so, wonder if
0: it works its way into college dorm rooms the way that, you know, Clockwork Orange and Pulp Fiction before it worked I its way so. into ours.
2: I, I can see that. I, I do think – again, just going back to everything, like there there is – well, I'm not saying this is about a Clockwork Orange, but because <laughs> is fun and I know that like bad things happen and stuff like that, but there's, there is like – so many moments where you're just like, you're smiling at what this family is able to do. Mm. And I think just, and the way that like Bong flips that on, on its head and kind of flips everything around, even, even where it ends up, you still have kind of like this fondness I think for the way the things were for how they're able to like dupe this family and stuff like that, that I do think makes it, Uh, not a morose thing to put on your on your wall or wear a shirt about and it feel it's you know it's not it it, it's something that is will communicate to people that like i'm i'm uh (laughs) i'm i'm smart and i like things that are fun (laughs)
0: Which is not a message that I've heard said about me that often, so I could use that. Maybe I'm starting to come around to this movie after all. I'm tattooing that on my forearm. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. We can't thank you enough for joining us once again. Uh, Thank you for providing your insight, and I I know you, like we, are very much looking forward to being able to sleep for at least an hour at some point in the near future. So we thank you for fitting us into your busy schedule before you do that.
2: Thank you for having again. Sorry to kind of nosedive of, like, man... Monday, I was still like on a high of like, wow, this happened. (laughs) Now, like midweek Wednesday, I'm like, man, I really need to like, I need to go to bed.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's true for pretty much the entire industry that we do, I think. So I think you're in good company there. Uh, Brian, thanks a lot, man. We'll talk soon. See you later. Thanks. (laughs) Another great episode. We cannot thank Brian Formo enough. Stay tuned because in a moment, we'll be giving you all the news and information as to where to catch his work. Uh, Just wanted to say thank you to Brian Formo. Thank you to Scott Feinberg. Thank you to all of our guests that we had in the lead up to, through, and now after this Oscars 2020 rush. I'm sure we'll be commenting on it more, but Mike, where can we all find Brian's work and where to follow him on social media? So
1: brianformo.com has all of his archives, all of his Oscar stuff. You can find links to all of his Fandango videos. It's great for Oscar and film nerds like us. You can even go back to all of his writing he did at Collider, IGN, etc., etc. It is Brian with an I-F-O-R-M-O to spell the last name. Brian has over 4,100 films reviewed on his letterbox.com slash
0: brianformo account. That's crazy. He's also a great follow at Brian Formal on Twitter. Yeah, again, watch all of the videos on YouTube from Fandango's All Access, especially the Scene Breakdown series, which Brian takes part in and has a hand in as well. Uh, You have some of the very best in the business discussing some iconic scenes from all the movies we've reviewed and have become obsessed with over these past few years. And, of course... Like Mike just said, make sure you read Brian Formo on Fandango, his past stuff on Collider, his past stuff on IGN. Uh, Be sure to keep up with Brian because he is just a wealth of knowledge and information as you heard in this episode. As far as Mike Mike and Oscar Michael, what is coming next from MMO? A brief rest. (laughs) We need one after a huge winter
1: of content creation where we had interviews like that of Paul Walter Hauser, of Richard Jewell, where we had movie reviews of everything from 1917 all the way down... To the jellical Cats. (laughs) Why do you say down when you say that? I say down for a reason. (laughs) And everything in between. Where we did previews and preview series of all the big Oscar categories, for instance. With great guests like Izzy from Be Kind Rewind. R.L. Terry, the Academy Queens. Eric Weber of Awards Ace. Mr. Formo and of course his buddy William Bibiani. They go way back there. And then of course we had Scott Feinberg of The Hollywood Reporter join us for kind of a state of the Oscars, state of the union yeah. kind of
0: show right before the Academy Awards. It's so. almost as if we have like a plan and a repertoire as far as <laughs> how to handle this Oscars stuff here, but yes, make sure you check out our award show, the Mike, Mike and Oscars. It was our, I believe our third annual? Was yep. it our second or third? I can't remember. Third. I know I kept calling it our third, That's but I was I... thinking about it afterwards. I was like, huh. That's why we have a plan now. It's our <laughs> third year, third time's a charm. <laughs> there you go. Follow well, it. Then, then it was definitely our third. That's been put in <laughs> cement now. So Be sure to check out the Mike, Mike and Oscars award show, which many of our audience members wrote for us. We also released that in the middle of Oscar week as well. We just put out two
1: monstrous post Oscar shows for you all. Like Mike said earlier in the show, maybe we'll get back to, I'm sure we'll be talking about the last year's Oscars all of next year too. We always do. We always do. It it is what it is, but this will be like our last dedicated full show to it. We are going to do another kind of half of of an upcoming episode Mm -hmm. on it where we talk to an expert on Netflix, talk about how things shook out for them this past award season. We're also going to preview everything coming out on Netflix next year.
0: Yeah, but uh, as far as the immediate future, Mike told you, kind of a light week for us, one of the rare light weeks that we have here in MMO. Instead of giving you your usual four episode schedule this week, you're probably going to get two we call it a two and a half episode week uh, where you had the Oscars, the immediate reactions we have this one, we kind of want to let the Oscars sink in and then we'll get ready for film year 2020 on the immediate horizon and we'll get you back to your regularly scheduled programming of our news and variety show. MMO Weekly is going to be coming out this Monday. It might be out a little earlier than that. We'll see what we can do with that. Also, Mike's going to be reviewing a bunch of 2020 movies at the top of that show. I'm going to be capping a bunch of big news from all over the Hollywood world, not just on award season as MMO Weekly is more of our bigger news, the blockbuster news, the industry news Mm -hmm. show that we have not done in quite some time. So we have a lot of things to get back to, including the long ago mentioned Six Degrees of MMO challenge where we had to go challenge. through Yes, we, we I'm waiting to see people yell at seagulls. That's that was be great. just something that's perverse that I we, we included because I, I have enjoyment from weird things. I already read a bunch of the <laughs> submissions. They're phenomenal,
1: so I can't wait to do that. And yeah, I mean if you want to get us more submissions, Neil, yes, do send those to us. Uh, then we're turning the page the rest of next week and the following three weeks, kind of two and a half weeks again. A lot of two and a halves in this episode. <laughs> we're turning the page to a preview of next year's Oscar movies show one will be all about Netflix like I said with that special guest uh, what they had this past year what's coming out next year what their strategy should be that'll be a fun show then uh, the next two shows are dedicated to what we called last year the pictures and the picks. Mm-hmm. basically the pictures is a preview of every possible Oscar contending film in one giant episode who's the cast and crew what's the buzz etc and then we do a follow-up show with all our are way too early Oscar picks in all the big categories. It's blind, it's insane, but it's also somehow 100% accurate.
0: Most likely because we refuse to ever bring it up or think about it again after we mention it. But no, it's 100% accurate. We will bring you to the promised land. We're guaranteeing Oscar That's winners right. for next February as soon as next week. So be sure to turn in for that. And Michael, we also are very committed. We just announced on Oscars night, or I guess early Monday morning, a, a humongous new rewatch series that we've done. The James Bond character study. We're going to dive into that, which means I need to come up with another asinine and ridiculous theme song that I've had some <laughs> <laughs> ideas batting around in my head with already. It's probably gonna be said bah, 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 but I'm gonna have to sing fast, so I gotta figure out a way to get that done. That be a <laughs> 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 that's your fun mental exercise. That's the only way to go. Uh, we will be going bond by bond before the final double07 dies, I guess. And he becomes a Kentucky fried who done it sleuth for Ryan Johnson, which really That's Daniel Craig's natural end of that lifeline anyway, right? Natural progression, very good. Uh, That'll be a
1: weekly deep dive show uh, into all of the old movie classics from the James Bond universe. Uh, But we're also going to keep up with new movies uh, when we see fit, whether on MMOW or in their own review episodes, whether it's an OSP or or a movie event review, which is kind of an award show in its own right. We have a blast with Mm -hmm. those. We'll have guests on for some of them as well. So it is wise, Michael. It is wise to rest a few days before we try and tackle this new schedule that movie waiting to exhale
0: (laughs) finally get exactly like the exact same problems i've never seen (laughs) but we do we do want to hear from you as always dear listeners we want to hear your thoughts comments questions concerns not only about oscars 2020 not only about what brian formo had to say in this episode or our previous supporting actor category review which is really easy for me to say uh, with no edits whatsoever as well as anything else we do do here in the MMO empire we want to hear from you you can send us those thoughts comments questions to Mike Mike and Oscar on Facebook Mike Mike and Oscar on Instagram at mm and Oscar on Twitter Mike Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts including and especially Apple podcast and if you happen to be listening to this or any episode on Apple Podcasts or on your iPhone if you would not mind going into the Apple podcast app typing in Mike Mike and Oscar tapping on our cartoon logo scrolling down once and leaving us a five-star review a lot of you did that during Oscars week we can't thank you enough for that if you could tell your friends if you could keep moving that uh, pushing that ball up the hill what's that guy's name that Greek uh, Sisyphus was that the guy that just, Sisyphus he, I think was
1: ball up pushing that
0: pushing that boulder up the rock the hill there's Icarus but I think he flew too close to the sun I think We're he also won coast. best documentary a couple years ago that's right he did <laughs> so <laughs> if you wouldn't mind doing that uh, we would truly truly appreciate it Mike you already told the good people what's coming next from MMO so what do we have for words of wisdom to end on so here's the full Kobe Bryant quote atop the In Memoriam
1: segment. Uh, I really love this. He said, quote, Life is too short to get bogged down and be discouraged. You have to keep moving. You have to keep going. Put one foot in front of the other, smile, and just keep on
0: rolling. Why couldn't the camera linger on that? That's a beautiful quote. The camera should have lingered on that a little more during the Academy Awards. That was my only gripe, but... Still not over the Kobe thing. Maybe never will be. Guys, uh, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies, recap, and watch award shows with us and all our friends. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya.